and welcome to another moment with Eric Fleming. I'm your host, Eric Fleming. And um, as we wind down season three, uh, I really wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about what it, what I see happening and how it relates to us in the United States. And when I say us, I mean African-American people. Um, but overall, all the citizens of the United States. And, um, you know, one of the fascinating things about watching what is happening in other parts of the globe um, is a basic understanding that a lot of people for whatever reason, whether it's naivete or uh, apathy, um, don't really understand or take for granted maybe that basic yearning for human beings to be free. Um, you know, even in the Bible, it talks about that we should always be under some sort of order. Um, that even to the extent that we should pray for leaders uh, because they've been given a responsibility and authority uh, to keep a society together, right? And what we have noticed throughout history is that when people are allowed to express themselves and allow themselves to uh, live the lives that they want to live, uh, they thrive in that human beings do better when they are allowed to fully have the human experience. Uh, when they are told where they can work or what jobs they can have or uh, uh, limited choices as far as who their elected leadership is, um, you know, being punished for being a woman or being a member of the LGBTQ community it's, it's, it's shown that those repressive governments are constantly in turmoil, right? That they're constantly, there's constantly protests and opposition. Um, and the only way that a lot of these other countries have managed that has been through force. Um, primarily police and military force, right? They've um, they've taken a lot of the bad things that they have learned from the countries that colonized them for the most part. Um, and there are some countries that never really went through that, that feel that the only way, certain individuals feel that the only way they can have power is through force, uh, through terror, 
um, through oppression. And even to an extent, uh, the United States um, has done that to people of color, primarily African-Americans. Um, a lot of people, I guess, claim to be tired of hearing about what's happening with African-Americans. Um, but if you understand the history of the United States and you understand why the African-American community feels a certain way about certain things. And so as we watch how Haiti is dealing with a crisis, right? Haiti was like the first country, especially first country of African slaves to fight and successfully win their independence. And they did that in 1804. And it was so much of a threat that the United States didn't even want to recognize them. And of course, Thomas Jefferson was the president at that time. And because of what happened in Haiti is the reason why the Louisiana Purchase happened. Because France figured that if they can control half, an, half of an island, right, Hispanola, which we know is Haiti now, um, they couldn't afford to control any massive area like the territory that the, the land they owned in what we call the United States now. And so Napoleon made that deal, right? After the embarrassment for him in Haiti. Um, so black people in Haiti brutally won their freedom. Um, if you understand the history of that, that battle uh, and a lot of the power struggle that happened immediately afterwards, uh, it was very, very brutal. Uh, many Africans uh, died uh, along with the French. Uh, military, but a lot of damage came afterwards. Um, Toussaint Louverture is considered uh, the hero, the general that led it, uh, the battle, successful battle. Um, although there were others involved who were equally as brutal. Um, and, and forgive me for not remembering that guy's name. Uh, Desmond, for some reason, is coming to my mind, but I I had to double check that. I didn't get a chance to do that before I started recording. But for those who understand the history, they know those players, right? And so Haiti, because it's really kind of had to do stuff on its own, even to the point where they had to pay France reparations for their freedom. Right. For beating France, they ended up having to pay money. A lot of people don't know that or may have forgotten. That. And so that kind of put Haiti financially as a country in a hole. And, and they have been struggling with that ever since. And 
there's been calls for the World Bank and other and IMF and others to forgive financial debts for Haiti and all that. Um, so they could continue or, you know, eventually, you know, be able to prosper and grow as they should, because on the other side, across the mountains in Hispanola, the Dominican Republic, which had a totally different colonization, right? They were Spanish colonized. Uh, they have managed to build a, a relatively stable economy and they benefit more from tourism on their side of the island than Haiti does, right? Um, but even in the Dominican, there's friction between those two countries now because if you remember a few years ago, a lot of people from the Dominican Republic would move to Haiti and a lot of Haitians would move to the Dominican Republic. And the Dominican Republic took a move to try to strip citizenship from those Haitian uh, Haitian immigrants, uh, especially their voting rights. Right. So that's led to some conflict on that island. Um, but now recently with the assassination of the Haitian president and now we're finding out who the players were in, in that heinous act. Um, understand there was a doctor involved. Uh, some U.S. citizens have been arrested. Um, that it, it's really a tragedy that this country, which really was an inspiration for a lot of people that knew about it, right? Because the whole reason why Jefferson did not want to recognize Haiti was that it would, he felt, and probably accurately, that it would have a negative impact on the Southern states, those states that practice slavery, that um, if the United States recognized the country where slaves rebelled and won, then it would be harder to justify maintaining slavery here, right? So we've seen that history and the U.S. involvement, and it hasn't been a positive role uh, in that. Um, I remember growing up, Aristide was kind of the guy that was, oh, I say growing up, you know, most of my knowledge of Haiti growing up was the Duvaliers, right? Papa Doc and Baby Doc, right? And how they ruled with an iron hand and how corrupt they were. And then you finally get Aristide democratically elected. And the United States was really heavy handed and all that. And there's been some resentment toward that. And then, of course, when Haitian immigrants tried to come, how the United States did their best to uh, ostracize or basically keep them out, right? And it's, and when the AIDS epidemic was going on, you know, they were labeled as carriers, right? To justify them denying their immigration status. 
So, you know, it's been a it's been a terrible relationship between the United States and Haiti. Uh, I say terrible because we could have come in more as a stabilizing influence rather than an imposing influence. And um, this assassination doesn't help that at all. Uh, And hopefully that with maybe trade agreements, maybe with a little softer diplomacy um, might be able to help Haiti get through this, right? You know, they've been through natural disasters, earthquakes and hurricanes. And, and it's really always like that, that part of Hispanola is always, I hate to say curse, but it's, it's always been a struggle for them. And if there's any place where in the, in the Americas, as we call it, that we want to see black people succeed, it would be besides the United States, it would be Haiti because of that history, right? And and to show that, you know, I mean, we have plenty of examples in the continent of Africa about black people in leadership positions and having stable economies. South Africa is one, Nigeria is another, but they've had issues, right? Um, more Nigeria than South Africa, but you know, in in different parts of 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 the continent, we've seen authoritarian rule and dictatorships, uh, monarchies that lasted too long. Um, because of that basic her- human yearning to be free. Right. So we see that in that's instability that Haiti has always dealt with. And then on the flip side, on Cuba, um, you know, Cuba was a thriving island, uh, but there was corruption. Uh, that led to people who were impoverished revolting. And and Fidel, Fidel Castro was able to overthrow the Bastille government. And, and Cuba was such a an appealing place, right? It was a tourist destination, all that, that had not been for Castro overthrowing Bastille that Las Vegas probably wouldn't have happened, not the way that it is now. A lot of the focus had been to turn Havana into this place where you had legalized gambling and and tourism and all these, you know, acts and all this stuff. And it was it was really that was really kind of the the move. And Bastille was opening the door for that. Uh and I don't know how positive or negative that would have been, but it definitely would have been better than what people are dealing with now. Um, 
you know, and, and there's always people that talk about, you know, Cuba and, and it's like, and they try to say, well, you know, it's the whites in Cuba against the blacks, uh, you know, and the blacks won and all that. And I, I can't really say that, you know, uh, and if you talk to people from Cuba uh, who are white and who are black, um, you'll get mixed reactions from both sectors. Um, because a lot of people, you know, from Cuba still have tons of relatives there. Uh, during the Obama administration, there was a real effort to try to, to bridge that gap to, you know, limit the embargoes and all that and really just try to build a relationship. And of course, the timing of that was Castro's health failing. Uh, his brother was not necessarily a strong leader. And I forget who the young man, I say young man, whoever the guy is now that succeeded Raul Castro. Um, you know, but and you forgive me for that because there's been so much going on here. Um, and so much of my focus has always been about fighting the oppression and, 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 and injustice that has gone on here with African-Americans that I am not that knowledgeable about every world leader or, uh, and who they are. Right. But, um, I do know that at some point in time, Cuba, from what I've been told and, and all this stuff, is such a beautiful place. And, and the people are charismatic and energetic and all that, that to rule that country with an iron fist uh, is a disservice to those human beings. Um, you know, these young men that do all these extravagant things just to play baseball in the United States. Um, whereas if they had stayed in Cuba uh, and they lived in a society that was free, uh, probably would have been just on the baseball part alone, one of the great uh contributions to the world as far as athletics. Um, and we see that in the Olympics with, and especially those boxing and baseball, those two sports. Um, but in soccer, I'm sure as well. Um, but, you know, culturally, um, the Cubans that have made it have shown that, uh, that charismatic, energetic side, right? Um, and then, you know, we, 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 we hear about uh, their, you know, how educated they are, right? And, and people have gone to Cuba for, for medical training and all this other stuff. It was a guy, a professor in, in Mississippi that would every year would, take a tour there to show some of the things, progressive things that they were doing under this authoritative regime, right? 
And so just, just imagine if Cuba was a free society, how awesome a place it would be to visit, uh, what further contributions they could give, not only to us as Americans, but to the world as a whole. And so now we're seeing people because of COVID uh, and demanding more access to the vaccine, uh, taking to the streets. And we're seeing them being treated violently, just like we've seen in Hong Kong and other places around the world. And it's an opportunity again for us as Americans to with soft diplomacy, be able to intervene and try to make a difference and try to encourage a dismantling of the authoritarianism that is there, right? Um, and so I'm, I'm throwing all that out there in very in very general terms because the overall theme of what I, what I wanted to talk about is the negative impact of authoritarianism, the negative impact of despotism and how the legacies of those things have impacted people and their natural desire. And the fear that I have that if we are not careful in this country, it's going to happen. So let me catch y'all on the other side to talk more about that. So we're back. And um, another side I was talking about what I what I fear, right? So in the United States, one of the legacies that we pride ourselves on um, is being a free society, right? that despite our criticisms and, and faults, we do elect our leadership. We don't have despotism. We don't have a dictator, right? We do have a process in which we choose the people to govern us. And that we constantly remind ourselves that it's government of the people, by the people, and for the people, right? And even on the Statue of Liberty, that poem by Emma Lazarus, right, where it talks about the huddled masses yearning to be free, um, how we welcome people from all over the world, right? And we've seen contradictions to that. But the whole, you know, in the, in the Declaration of Independence that you know, we have certain inalienable rights. 
and and we struggle every day to live up to that. Uh, we struggle every day to make that a reality. And part of our struggle has always been um, this mindset, if you will, that the ideals of America are only for certain Americans and not for every American. And those of us, especially in the African-American community, has always challenged that. Um, even to the point where we have created constitutional amendments. Um, we have taken seats of power um, and tried to implement uh, well-governed societies. We have a lot of internal problems, not just in the African-American community, but in society as a whole in keeping those obligations fulfilled. And my biggest fear is that with what's going on now with the dynamics of Trumpism, the after effects, is that we are really flirting with authoritarianism. We are really flirting with uh, despotism because of this mindset, right? Um, fortunately, because our democracy is strong enough, we were able to remove a president that embraced a lot of that mentality, that idolized despots, that idolized authoritarians, um, and wanted to be one himself. Um, but just even allowing that individual to serve, to be democratically elected, uh, really has put us at a teetering point. And it's a major concern for those of us who are African-American because we tend to feel the effects of it. Now, other people of color feel it too, but historically it has been us because of how we were brought into this country. It wasn't a mass immigration from Africa to the United States. You know, it was, we were brought here as chattel as as a labor force to build the country that we have now, right? And because we have persevered, because we have fought in the courts and on the streets, that we don't have the same level of oppression as those countries that are under authoritarian rule, but it's always been a borderline. Just like we've had laws 
passed to help us, there were laws created to subjugate us. Even the very constitution didn't even recognize us as a whole human being, right? And so it's always been that constant struggle. So we, we've, but we were always brought up to believe that no matter how much of a struggle it was, it would, we would never be like any of those other countries that I mentioned before, any other country like Iran or Cambodia, any, any of those other countries that had despots, right? Even Spain under in, in Italy and Germany, we, it, we would never get to that point. And that was, a, and that's a faith that, African-Americans have, right? The fact that we can express ourselves and challenge authority is a lot more than some of these other countries we've mentioned. And, you know, so when we, when we criticize what happens with law enforcement and how law enforcement is treated, treat, treats us, in our communities, right? It's because of that fear that we don't ever want to be truly a police state, that we truly don't want to be under anybody's thumb. Um, when we challenge laws that would limit access to voting, it's because of that fear, right? And the reason why we feel that we can overcome it is because we've had a faith that we would. And history has borne out that we have survived challenges in the past. But there was a war in the United States over us. <laughs> and it lasted for four years. Uh, and there was a political storm brewing for decades before that, right? But there literally was a war to determine whether states had the right to enslave us or not. And so when, when people kind of react negatively to black people who say, well, I'm not really down with the 4th of July, right? Or, uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't wrap myself in the American flag, right? There's a reason for that. There's a reason for people to have that mentality. And, and in the times we're in now, you're, you're really creating a generation that questions whether America's a great country or not, right? You know, it's one thing for people who do criminal activity to be arrested. It's another thing for people knocking on doors because they're at the wrong house and people end up dying. Right. It's 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 one thing to stop people, you know, for traffic violations and another thing for it to escalate to violence on the street or mysteriously people dying in the jail, right? 
it's one thing for us to say, well, we've elected a black man to be president and we've elected a black woman to be vice president and all that. And then you have a group of people who are trying to say, well, let's limit access to voting. Let's even make it illegal for people to be given water and food while standing in line to vote. Right. We want to put a man who didn't know he couldn't vote. But was allowed to vote. <laughs> right. You talking about putting this man in jail for 40 years. Right. And you've got a tug of war whether to put somebody in jail who has committed treason and sedition, right? We're, we're, we're going through this productive process where we want to elevate Ashley Babbitt to the status of George Floyd or Breonna Taylor. It's, it's, it's scary. And when you see all this stuff that's happening in other parts of the globe, the thing that, that hits me is that if we are not careful, if we are not vigilant, if we are not vocal, if we are not adamant in our fight, that very easily could happen here. And we flirted with that. We did. If if I, I'm afraid that if Donald Trump had won a second term, how dire would our circumstances be? I mean, he was willing to let people die so he could look good and say that we had everything under control, talking about with COVID, right? Let alone anything else that was going on and how he presented us in the world stage and all this kind of stuff. And whereas you would let one black person out of jail uh, based on somebody coming to you that has a high profile asking for that woman to be let out of jail. We're, we we saw people getting killed in the streets that were unarmed, right? You went through a crowd of people, tear gas and all that, just so you could stand in front of a church and hold a Bible upside down. I'm, I, those are images that you just can't get rid of, right? And those are images that some people in this country are embracing. And that's dangerous for a democratic republic, let alone a democracy, right? It's dangerous to continue to embrace that kind of mentality. It's dangerous to give it any sort of legitimacy because what history has taught us that if you give any despot or any would-be authoritarian a foot in the door, so they're going to use the other foot to kick it in. And 
you know, I was explaining to people about what happened in Germany. Well, how did Hitler get to be? I mean, Hitler was in jail, right? 10 years before he took over the country because he tried to take over the country and, and then he his political party got in power. He moved up the ranks in power in that party and people all over the world were giving him money to rebuild Germany. And we saw how that turned out. So, and that was because we didn't, you know, during that time, the world community didn't do its due diligence, right? Now we have this capability to freeze assets and, and to limit mobility and all these kind of things. And we've taken strong stands against people in other countries, right? To protest, you know, by some people. But nonetheless, we are flirting with doing the same thing here. And that's why I stress people that you don't have to be a political junkie. You don't have to be uh, totally immersed in politics to just understand your basic civic duty, right? And to fight for what was earned for you. Um, and just as easily as we've seen in this country that we've attained rights, we've also seen how easily it's been taken away. You know, black people, once they got political power after the Civil War, did amazing things and achieved amazing accomplishments. And within a span of 10 years, that was eradicated, right? Or at least the erosion had started. And part of that was based on economics and, and uh, ignorance, right? And accommodation, allowing people not doing your due diligence and allowing people that should not have been empowered to regain power, that never should have been allowed to even sit at the table to eat generous portions. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that out there that we look at what happens in other countries around the world and, and we kind of take it for granted that it would never happen here. But there's a lot of us that are realizing that there are people that want it to happen here and they'll deny it. And they say that, well, we're, we're fighting for integrity and we're fighting for democracy and, and all this other stuff. But the reality is it's all about power. And that's all that, despotism, authoritarianism is. It's about consolidating power. Even to the point where it just falls under one person. Right? And the masses be damned. I mean, South Africa before its current state was authoritarian. 
and brutally authoritarian as far as the majority of the people in the country had no say so in how they were governed at all. Right. And there were neighboring countries that were doing the same thing. So if the United States of America ever loses that advantage that it's had of being a free society, then those of us in the African-American community, majority of us are doomed let alone other people of color, right? Whether your diversity comes from ethnicity or lifestyle or whatever, all that's going to be doomed. All that's going to be challenged, oppressively challenged, right? And and we just can't have that. Um. We don't ever want to get to a point where there's no hope. We, we don't ever want to get to the point where our faith is just totally destroyed. We want to always continue to improve. And as President Obama likes to say all the time, um, to reach that goal of a more perfect union each and every day. And you're going to have people who are going to push that envelope in a, <coughs> excuse me, in a progressive way. Right. Um, so much so that people are acting like they're tired of hearing it. But until we get rid of a disparity, like for every hundred dollars a white person has, that's a black person has five dollars, right? Until we get rid of that, until we get rid of a mindset that the only way that we can win elections is that we've got to keep certain folks from voting, right? Until we get rid of a mindset that profiling is okay as long as you're not extreme with it, right? You know, you have to have, uh, until we get to the point where every life is important, every human being, especially in the United States, has a right to succeed in their own way, right? That's not destructive to society. That's not destructive to themselves. But they have a right to thrive and to, and to go forth, right? Until we, until we get to that point, you're going to hear these voices. You're going to hear challenges. You're going to hear uh, people
express themselves. And there are some people who are uncomfortable with it, and some people don't like it. You know, there's some people that, as Jack Nicholson said, can't handle the truth, right? Um, but the truth has to stay out there. Freedom has to stay out there. And I agree. It doesn't matter if you're liberal or conservative. We all understand that freedom is not free. Right? That it has to be earned. That it has you have to work for it. That you have to continue to fight for it. Because just as it's human nature for us to want to be free, there's also an element of human nature that wants to control and suppress. And that element of freedom must always beat that element of suppression in order for the masses to be free. And I really, I really hope that people are getting what I'm saying today. I really hope that people understand where I'm coming from because when I had the opportunity to serve, right? And people before me and after me that were good, good nature, our whole mindset was to improve the community, period. To make life better for people, to do no harm to folks. And even not being in that position, that's still my mindset. And it's, it's in my nature to be protective. It's in my nature to be concerned. And I hope that the majority of people feel that way. And I, and, I, and I really want us not to ever, ever really just take it that for granted that it could all turn on us and, and just encourage us to continue to be vigilant and vocal and, con and continue to encourage us to be mindful especially those of us in the African-American community. Uh, black people have always had a struggle. Um, and in the days and weeks to come, we will continue to have a struggle. But we must persist. We must persevere. And we must stay strong. So... If you take nothing else from what I'm saying today, just just take away that we have an obligation to protect our freedom. We don't ever want to be in a situation where all that is taken away from us. Right? You know, we, we, we need to continue to push. And for those of us who feel that we ain't free, keep fighting until we get there, right? You know, I, I don't expect people to agree with my view of where we are, but I do hope that we all agree that freedom is worth fighting for and that we should never, ever let up on that.
Until next time.